Hi, welcome to Quid Pros Quo. I'm Zach. And I'm Rin. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Mary Adkins. Um, Mary is a former lawyer and Yale Law School graduate who has turned to, uh, into a writing coach um, through helping um, other authors develop their, their skills. And she's also published through HarperCollins. She's the podcast host of the First Draft Club. Um, and she pivoted over into writing after feeling less than inspired by law. Um, with a newborn nearby, Mary successfully wrote and published two of her, her three published novels, Privilege and When You Read This. Her most recent publication, Palm Beach, was named the New York Post Top 30 Books of 2021. Congratulations. And she's also been reviewed by the Associated Press and printed in more than 13 countries. Um, currently, Mary is writing her first memoir related to her experience with miscarriage and helping her client list of creative um, leaning women to write, revise, and pitch long-for narrative novels in her 12-month program, The Book Incubator. Mary, we're so happy that you could join us today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And by the way, my um, I don't know why that's in my bio. My program is not just for women. It's for creative-leaning <laughs> all people. So <laughs> yeah. Hey, we love, we love the inclusion. Yes. Yeah. Just to be clear. <laughs> so today we're talking about traditional publishing, which is, this is super excited for Zach and I, because neither of us are traditionally published. We're both indie published. Um, we recently did an episode on indie publishing, episode 30, if you guys want to go check that out. Um, but today Mary's talking to us about traditional publishing. So we'll just dive right into our questions. Uh, first question is, did you always know you wanted to traditionally publish and how did you decide? You know, it's funny because I've worked with some writers who have indie published as well. And it's when they talk about why they indie published, it sounds a lot like why I traditionally published. It, it just seemed like they were like, I thought that this was just what you do. <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt about traditionally publishing. I just thought, oh, that's what you do. You find a publisher. Like it never occurred to me that I could be my own publisher. It Like it just didn't even, I didn't feel like, it didn't feel like making a decision. It felt like oh, I'm just, I need to learn the way to do this. And I assumed that there was only one way to do it. And so that's what I fell into. And like, you know, it worked out for me and um, I'm very grateful that that happened. But like, especially now in 2023, I am, I'm so um, excited learning about alternate paths of publishing other than just traditional. And I do, I do help writers who want to traditionally publish do that in my program. But, um, but yeah, I think it, it really wasn't intentional. It was just sort of falling into it. <laughs> yeah. It is really interesting how we, uh, how depending on what we already know about the uh, publishing industry that informs how we think about the possibilities and what we end up, what we end up going for. That's super interesting. So when you decided to go for, go that route of traditional publishing, how did you get a book deal? What was that journey like for you? Long and hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, um, I don't even remember how I learned this. I think I took a class in how to get, how to get published traditionally. Um, but I think it was just called like how to get published again. Like, I think there was just like this understanding kind of in the writing classes I was taking that like, that was just what you did. And so, um, I learned I had to get a literary agent. So I started and, and I learned how to get a literary agent, which is like to query them. So to send them basically a, like a short email about your book. 
And so I started doing that in 2013 and I ended up signing my agent in 20 with my agent in 2016. So it took me three years and like a lot of, a lot of no's, a lot of rejection, a lot of like reworking the manuscript. Um, and it was just long, you know, it felt, and it felt interminable, but I didn't, again, like it just didn't occur to me to go any other route. Like, and there's also that phenomenon of like a dog with a bone, you know, it's like, once you start, you're like, I'm now I'm in this and I'm going to do it until I succeed, <laughs> just like not letting go. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I got the, my, I signed with my literary agent in 20, the end of 2016, I believe, um, or was it? Yeah. 2016. Um, it was all easier from there. So, um, that was really the hardest part for me because from there, um, I, I have since known writers who have gotten a literary agent who has sent out their books to publishers and publishers have still all said no. So like they haven't ended up getting a book deal, which is super disappointing, of course. But um, luckily that did not happen with me. So after after I was represented by this literary agent and we decided to work together, she sent out my book, you know, I HarperCollins um I ended up signing with HarperCollins and then they published my next two books. So everything after that kind of fell into place pretty nicely. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 It sounds like that took a lot of patience. Yeah. And like, um, it didn't even feel like patience as much as just massive insecurity and fraud syndrome, you know, cause I just think (laughs) (laughs) when you have, and I, I, when I work with writers now who are trying to traditionally publish, they go into this knowing I'm going to get a lot of rejection, but when it starts coming, they're like, this feels so much worse than I thought it was going to feel because just when you're getting no, 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 no. And sometimes, I mean, the thing about literary agents, have either of you queried literary agents? No. Yeah. I I am in the process of querying my second novel. Uh, I got, I've gotten one no so far. Okay. So yeah, you know, you're in it. And like, I don't know if your no was what the tone of your no was, but I feel like literary agents can be extremely direct in a way that feels pretty brutal. Um, Like a writer forwarded me this week, a a rejection she got. She said, I got to be honest, this one really stings. And it was like, it was just kind of brutal. It was like, you know, you don't, um, I, I wasn't compelled by this story. You don't do X, Y, Z. And it's just, it kind of, you know, they can speak to you in a way that like, even when we get feedback from each other as writers, we don't often speak in quite harsh in language. That's quite that harsh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it gets under your skin when the agents do it. Yeah. So it just, I think that's what it felt like it took let less patience and more just like thick skin. Like, Oof, I got to shake that one off and keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like you've already addressed this a little bit, but how would you recommend our listeners go about getting a book deal if that's what they're wanting to do? So if they want to do that, I do recommend trying to get an agent. Um, that said, increasingly there, I, I'm finding there are, there are smaller publishers, independent publishers that uh, accept 
um, what they'll call unrepresented manuscripts. So they'll, they'll accept manuscripts directly from writers. And I don't think that, I, I think that that can also be a great way to go. Cause it's basically, I, I do kind of picture sometimes, you know, they call agents, the gatekeepers and I do sometimes picture it like a series of gates you're trying to get through. And if you, if you start to also send your book out to these smaller independent publishers, you're basically skipping over one of the gates, you know, like you don't need to find an agent and like, you just need to find a publisher and there, they can be some really good publishers. Like there, I live in Nashville and there's, um, uh, there's a, a publisher here, Harp, Harpeth Road Press, which is pretty new. It only opened in the last couple of years. And um, it's they accept unrepresented manuscripts and um, it's all digital. So it is digital publishing. They do have some print on demand, but mainly they're, they're, they'll publish your book digitally. And then like the arrangement is a little bit different than it often is for some, for, you know, the kind of the quote unquote, the big five publishers, they sometimes call them mm-hmm. the, like the, the really big players in the publish traditional publishing industry. Um, so like their contracts at Harper Throat are, are, I think she pays 30% or 35% royalty, which is really high. So like my right. royalties with Harper Collins are anywhere from like five to 12%, depending on the kind of book that sold and how many copies I've sold. But so, so 35% is quite high. Um, but so it's just like a different, but, but I think she pays a much smaller advance and then the big publishers often pay bigger advances, but, mm-hmm. um, 90% or more. No, I think it's higher than that. Nine. It's at least 90% of authors do not earn out their advance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that, I think that's a really important data point to know for anyone who's going to try to traditionally publish, because basically what you're getting for your advance if you go with one of these bigger publishers, not the smaller ones, but if you go with the bigger publisher, unless you are in the 10% of people this is not true for, your advance money will be the money that you make on the book. You're not going to make more. So like, right. I that's, I just think that's really important to know. I didn't know that. Like, I, yeah, I, I had no idea. I've only realized that in the last year or so. Um, but if you go with a smaller publisher, that's, that doesn't apply um, mm-hmm. because that that data point is really just about the big the big publishers. So all of that is to say, to answer your question, um, yeah, I recommend trying to get a literary agent. And um, uh, the way to do that, I mean, even just Googling like how to get a literary agent, you'll get some good information on that. I have a YouTube channel with a few different videos on how to do that if people want to look that up. But it's basically writing a cold email describing you, describing your book to agents who represent books like the one you wrote. And that's really important. I didn't understand that either at first. That's probably another reason it took me three years. At first I was like, I was querying like a contemporary fiction novel that has some romance in it to an, you know, you don't want to query that to an agent who represents fantasy. Like that, that's right. not, a point, you know? So like you do need to look up to see who the agents represent. And there's some really good sites for this. Readsy has a really good, list um query um query tracker it's called has a really big database of agents and kind of and the kinds of books they represent so there's some really good free information out there nice 
So you mentioned so you mentioned some resources for finding uh, finding the agents. What sort of resources would you recommend for um, finding these small these small publishers that you mentioned? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm sure there are other ones too, but the one I found recently that I thought was really great, I think, was also on Readsy. Readsy is just a really great site, you know, that has all kinds of information, but. Um, they had a list of smaller and independent publishers and linked to their website and put whether they accepted unrepresented manuscripts. And it was just like a really nice, easy place to find a bunch of smaller publishers and kind of check them out and see if they look like they might be a fit. Very cool. Um, you uh, talked about, uh, you talked again a lot about agents and I was wondering what the relationship between the author, the agent, the publisher and the editor, how that goes and how much choice you have in, in choosing your publisher and editor. Yeah, that's such a good question. So, um, also I didn't know this until I was really in it. So once you have a literary agent, your literary agent is going to send your book out to editors. Um, to editors that the agent knows might be interested in the book. And these editors are, they are synonymous with publisher. Like when we say like, like, for example, my agent only sent my book to one editor at HarperCollins. She wouldn't have sent it to a couple of editors there because they are not going to compete against each other for, for a book. So it's like when she says she sent it to certain editors, that means she sent it to one editor at every publishing imprint. So you could either say like, I sent it to HarperCollins or I sent it to Emily at HarperCollins, but either way, it means the same thing. So, um, but it does go, um, she did, she, she did send it to different imprints at the bigger publishing houses, which is a little bit confusing. So when they say like the big five publishers, it's Penguin, Simon and Schuster, Hachette, um, wait, Random House is the same as Penguin, HarperCollins. And what's the fifth one? Um, anyway, it's five, but each of them have their imprints. So they have a bunch of, you know, um, imprints underneath the, the umbrella. And so the agent will send your book out to individual editors at different imprints. So like right. at Simon and Schuster, several different imprints could get your book. And then if more than one wants it, this is sort of a dream scenario. It'll go to auction. And then basically they kind of bid against each other for your book and that increases your advance size. So they will start, you know, your agent will, will kind of call and say, Oh, penguin offered us this much. Do you want to match it or go higher? And they'll say yes. And then your agent will go around and do that until the people start dropping out and you end up with a couple of, with, with one or two kind of like highest bidders. Um, and in my case that did happen with my first novel. And I ended up with two, two publishers who both were willing to pay the same advance amount. And so then, um, it became about like, who did I just want to work with or who, what publisher did I want to go with? Um, and in terms of the author's say, um, you make the final decision, you get to make the final decision. Like I didn't even have to choose the highest bidder in the auction. I could have said, oh, actually, even though Simon and Schuster only offered half as much, I've always wanted to be published by Simon and Schuster. So I want to go with them, you know, and like your agent, mm -hmm. like will totally defer to you as the author on that. Um, 
there's also an opportunity during that process where you get on the, in my case, it was on the phone. Um, I've known writers, if they happen to be local, like in New York or where a lot of agents are on the West Coast, who will be invited to, or sorry, where a lot of publishers are, um, they'll be invited to the to the publisher's office to meet face-to-face, to like talk about the book um, before they have to agree to go with that publisher. In my case, it was on the phone, but I talked to each of the editors who was interested in my book and got to have a conversation about what their vision was for it. And, and I think that's really nice because you, you get a real sense of, of people's vibe. And so when, in my case, when it came down to the two different editors, because I had spoken to both of them on the phone, I knew immediately who I wanted to go with. Cause it was like, oh, I had a really good conversation with, with Emily, her name's Emily, who turned out to be my editor. And um, so I was just very excited because I really felt like we had this, she and I had the same vision for the book. And then at that point, once you have a book contract, um, you're pretty much working with your editor. So it like, you don't want, and and this was interesting. We kind of had to feel this out in my case, because I was a new author and I wasn't quite sure, like, who should I be sending my drafts to? Who should I be getting notes from? But basically my kind, my, my takeaway in my experience was like, you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like the, the editor's job at that point is to edit. So even though your agent up until this point has probably been giving you notes and stuff. Once you sign with the publisher, the agent falls back a little bit on the notes front because you don't, you're, the editor's job is to give you notes. And like, that's the person who, you know, it's basically just like division of labor. Like this is my area. That's your area. So then you start working with the editor. And I often have been asked, what do you do when you disagree? Or like, what do you do when you're asked to do something with your book that you don't want to do? Luckily, that did not happen for, that's never really happened for me. I mean, it's felt a lot. I I worked with the same editor for all three of my novels and it felt, um, all three of them, it felt a lot more collaborative. It's not like she would come to me and be like, you have to make this change. She would come to me and say, Hey, I'm thinking, what if you do this? And here's my reasoning. What do you think of that? And then I'd Mm -hmm. be like, oh, I like that, but here's what I would do differently based on your reasoning. What if we did this? So it's like, it feels a lot more collaborative than like, you must make this change because I'm the publisher. Like it never had that vibe at all. That's really good to hear. That lets out a lot of the, I know that for some writers, there is an anxiety that comes with going traditionally published where there's the fear of losing losing control over over your manuscript or, or your baby, right? Um, because it needs to it needs to fulfill the purposes of of the editor and the publisher in competing inside of the inside of the market kind of thing. So it's really it's really interesting to hear that with your experience, it was a lot more collaborative and focused on the the book itself rather than the environment that the book is going to go into. Yeah. And it was, you know, and I don't, it's interesting because I've wondered like, did I just get really lucky that like that I had an editor who really wanted me to be happy and like that's possible. But I do, I remember now I had a bunch of anxiety about that with my first novel because it was my my first book. I like you said, I hadn't done this before. I did was a little nervous about how much control I was ceding. But it also had 
drawings. So that book had about 75 drawings in them and they were a really important part of the storytelling. And when I got the first um, draft of the layout of the book where it was like, my editor sent me, she's like, this is what we've laid out. What do you think? Um, they were, so just to set the context, when I sent the manuscript off both to my agent and when we sold it, every drawing had one full page and it was almost, mm -hmm. it was intentional. It was almost like a children's book where like, I only want the reader to see one thing at a time and then like turn the page and see one thing at a time and then see some, you know, like it, it was almost like a visual poem or something in that way. Like mm -hmm. you can't. So then when I got the layout, there were four of them on a page to save page. <laughs> so it was almost like a, like a graphic novel or like a, you know, and a cartoon or something. And so like they were small and like in these quadrants and I remember my heart was racing. I was like, no, 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 no. Like that is not, that is just so far from the story I was telling where like a reader would look at the page and see four things at once. Um, and I remember writing kind of a panicked email to my editor. And I think I even said like, this is a hill I, I will die on. <laughs> like it was a little <laughs> dramatic. And Cause she wrote back, she's like, you don't need to die on any hills. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's fine. Like, she's like, I'm just trying to keep the page count down, but like, let's try two to a page and see what you think. So then we did two to a page and I was like, okay, that's fine. So that was like a compromise, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, I remember being that, that was a really scary moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that, in that case, I can totally get where you're coming from because you think about, I think about the invention of Hugo Cabret, right? Where you have these sections of prose interspersed with the pictures and it would be so different if the pictures were set up so that yeah. you had two or four to a page, right? It would be a very different experience. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, as the writer, your name's, you're like, I created this. I created this experience for you and you want it. Mm -hmm you want it to, to look like what you created. Um, and ultimately, I mean, there was another time too, it ended up, uh, I don't remember what it was, but I remember my editor saying, you're the, you're the author and it's your call. And I, that was a really interesting moment too, because speaking of the default things that we assume, I think I always mm -hmm. assumed that like, once you had a publisher, it was their call about certain things. And that was basically her being like, it's actually not like your name's on the cover. We're going to tell you what we think, but if you want to do it this way, you can do it this way. And that was like, oh, it felt kind of nice to realize like, I mean, I'm sure there are aspects over which the author's not in charge, right? Like, like I got to weigh in on my cover design, but mm -hmm. ultimately I don't know that they would have let me design the cover. Like probably not, nor should I have. Um, mm -hmm. But like in, in terms of the writing itself, it was clear that like ultimately, I since my name was going on it, I would have to be the one to make the call. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, we probably have time for maybe one more quick question this episode, which I hate to cut it short because this is such a good talk. Uh, but Zach, do you want to choose the last question? Yeah, I I am really curious about what the marketing side looks like when you go traditional uh, when you go traditional publishing because I've heard I've heard conflicting things. My expectations have been one thing, and I've heard other things about 
what role the the publishing house plays in marketing and selling your book. So could you uh, talk a little bit about that aspect of your experience? Yeah, I think I thought like I was going to be sent on a book tour, <laughs> um, which no. <laughs> um, they actually, my publisher was very helpful in arranging a book tour, but they don't pay for book tours anymore unless you're like Stephen King or something. Um, mm. So I, I did go on one. I had to fund it all myself. Um, I did have a publicist for each of my books and they really sort of, basically they kind of helped me get on like podcast spots or like, um, in my, with my first book, it was HarperCollins has an arrangement with Lit Hub where like authors can write an essay about writing their book and it'll go up on Lit Hub. So like there, there are some helpful things like that, but what I didn't realize that now is like, I wish I had known this is most of their marketing efforts are spent on bookstores, not readers. Like they're trying to get Barnes and Noble to buy a bunch of your book and put it on a table in the front. Mm -hmm. They are not marketing directly to readers. That's going to be Barnes and Noble's job, right? Like it's a, it's a chain and it's like publisher, bookseller, reader, and they're marketing to the bookseller, not the reader. So mm -hmm. in that sense, I, I, looking back, I think I did not realize how much the marketing to actual readers was something that I probably should, I should have been doing more of as the author. I mean, I was doing my best. I like was posting on my little Instagram account where it's just my friends and family following me. <laughs> like, I was, right. but you know, in retrospect, like, and what I tell writers now, I, I actually think it's really savvy to plan to market yourself because like I said, they're marketing to booksellers. They're not marketing to readers very much for you. So you gotta, it's almost like if you get your advance, I think it's smart to set aside some of that advance to plan to do some marketing to readers, like mm. whatever that means, you know, whether that's going on a book tour or hiring a publicist or um, just having some, some basically marketing spend that you can do to market your own book because traditional publishing is not the solution for marketing. Like I used to think, I thought that too. I've heard people say like, well, smaller publishers don't help you market. Big publishers don't help you market either. I mean, <laughs> like I said, a little bit, but they have so many books coming out. And my my publicist and the marketing team, they were always so like, so lovely. But it's also like, I don't even know the numbers, but they have dozens and dozens of books coming out. And they're like mm -hmm. these little marketing departments. Like, of course they're not gonna... They just don't have the resources to be like, we're going to get Mary's book out in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for, because that answers a lot of my questions about how that all works out. Um, before we wrap up, how can our listeners find you if they want to find out more about your program, find your books? How can they find you? Yeah. So my website is maryadkinswriter.com and it's Adkins with a D like dog, um, mm -hmm. not like the diet from the nineties. So it's, yeah, maryadkinswriter.com. And the program I run is called the book incubator. So they could also go to the book incubator.com if they just want to learn about that particular program. Awesome. Okay. We'll just put those links in the caption. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Um, thank you so much, Mary, for coming on. We will see you in actually our next episode as well, which is so exciting. 
Uh, but this has been Quid Pros Quo. Thank you so much for listening.